Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast through the Indie Star, through Skype as well. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, but the real star of the show is the one, the only, Greg Doyle. And we both have nice shirts on. No, I don't. I don't. In fact, you, we started the Skype call, and I'm looking at you in your Lumberjack shirt. I'm like, Derek, why are you wearing a nice shirt? You're making me look bad. What are you doing? I just, you know what, man? I've been, like, holed up in this house for two months. I'm currently yeah. employed. Sometimes you just need to wake up and put a nice shirt on. And today was that day. So, I, you know, I've been like in sweatpants and like old throwback uh, Indianapolis, like from the shop T-shirts. So I just wanted to put something on nice and look somewhat presentable for our pod today. That's all. I need to know, do you wear the sweatpants that kind of, you know, start to hug your leg? They're form-fitting like the cool kids wear? Or do you have the old baggy ones that you and I wore 10 years ago? No, I got the joggers, the, the form Joggers. If you will. Yeah. So I've, I've got those. I've got those in gray and black. And then I try not to get like too trendy with, uh, you know, because I understand. That. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The hipster. I'm looking at your Ray-Ban hipster glasses, and the yeah. full beard. You want If there's anything you don't do, Derek, is get trendy. <laughs> those are I'm, pushing I'm pushing 40, man. So I want to try to uh, I want to try to kind of maintain somewhat of a youthful look, but I don't want to get too crazy with it. So I try to, you're right. There are some hipster things. I do wear skinny jeans. Wait, uh, wait, wait, there, there, there aren't, Derek, let's be clear about this. There aren't some hipster things about you. There, there are some Derek Schultz things about hipsters. You are, you are the hipsteriest hipster I've ever seen, but you pull it off. It looks good and all that. And, and your gigantic, and your gigantic chest and your, your short little legs, it all works together. And you know, you and that Matt Harms picture is heartbreaking to look at because you're a hipster and he's nine feet tall and it looks great. <laughs> that gigantic chest that you speak of is becoming flabbier and flabbier by the day, but we won't get it. Let me that. tell you, let me tell you something, Derek. I'm in the best shape physically. Uh, no, I'm not, but I'm in better shape than I was before this whole thing started. Um, cause I cause that bag in your garage in my girlfriend, Whitney's garage. Yes. In fact, uh, but I, I'm, but the thing is because I can't ride the exercise bike. So, which I used to do three times a week, my, my, in my gym at the hotel, I'm sorry, at the apartment, my, my cardio is probably not that great. But all I can do is do upper body workouts, you know, with, uh, you know, body weight and then uh, hit the bag. So, like, I'm getting bigger and, I mean, I like it. I, I don't like what we're going through, but I like what's happening to my body. I worked out this morning. Can, can you see? You see yeah, you got a, little, uh, got a little punch there, it looks like. Yeah, here's, here's who punched me. Um, it, it's one of those, if, if this thing doesn't make it onto YouTube, it's one of those, you know, like three foot long rubber cords workout cords with a handle at every end at each end you know and i wrap sure. that thing around my chest so the so the the handles are right at basically at your shoulders you know you wrap it and so that's they are so it takes effort to extend them and so i i, I do a couple rounds just with those 
and the damn handle p- came back. I was hitting it, you know, it just came back and scraped my face, and I'm bleeding. So nice. I lo- I lost to a rubber band today. <laughs> those things are dangerous, though. I I rarely use resistance bands, but those things are dangerous. Everybody gets hurt working out. Yeah, but not like I do. Not 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 like I do. I, I got a and and believe me, it's a long, boring story, and I'm not even going to start it. But no one gets hurt like I get hurt. I've stopped and started entire sports because I got hurt doing one, so I started doing another one. It's just ridiculous. But I don't want to hear about Tony Ferguson, Justin Gagey, and how tough they are and all that. You know, I'm fighting something. It's not even human what I'm fighting. This man <laughs> isn't even human, and I, I'm living to tell about it. Tony Ferguson, I'd kick his rear end. That's right. <laughs> Let's uh, actually, we're going to get into some fighting a little bit later on because um, you have a strong passion for something that I, I understand why it's popular, but it's just not my cup of tea. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start kind of local sports wise um, from the last couple of days. This news about Victor Oladipo, your colleague, Jay Michael, who does a terrific job covering the Pacers has an article right now in the Indy Star about the team wanting to do everything in its power to extend Victor Oladipo, which certainly isn't a surprise. His contract runs up after next season. Uh, what's interesting about this, Greg, is that Oladipo will be 29 at the, he just turned 28 last week. So he'll be 29 at the completion of his contract. We still didn't really get to see him get his sea legs under him coming back from that patella tear. So, uh, you know, it, it's everyone loves Victor Oladipo here in Indiana, but a, a long-term extension, something like a four-year deal for Oladipo, uh, could be potentially risky for the Pacers, given that right now is the prime of his career, and certainly at 33 years old, he wouldn't be in his prime anymore. But what's your reaction to what the Pacers source had to tell Jay Michael about their franchise player? First of all, that story, I love that he wrote it. You know, s- someone's got to have that, and I'm glad that Jay Michael had it. Having said that, and J. Michael would, would agree with this, that was a one of those no bleep stories. Like, no bleep. They're going to do everything they can to re-sign. Sure. No bleep. But you got to have it, right? I mean, someone's got someone's to get a source to say it, and someone's got to report it, and so I'm, I'm glad it was us. But no bleep. Um, and the reason why it's no bleep is that when you're the – I mean, we all know this. When you're the Pacers and you have a – when he's healthy, a potential – you know, all NBA second or third team guy, you do whatever you can to hang on to him. And if that even means wishful thinking, hoping that he comes back from the patellar tendon tear better, you know, remotely close to what he was, that's what you do. It's why they're playing Miles Turner and Sabonis together. When the rest of the NBA is going small, they're not doing that because they're thinking, you know what, we're going to beat everybody this way because they're small. We're going to go big and we're going to beat them. They're not thinking that. They're just thinking we've got elite-ish and Sabonis is becoming elite, but elite-ish players, we got to do whatever we can to keep them because those are don't come around here very often. So that's why they're going to keep Oladipo and hope for the best. They have no choice. Sorry, I said patella tendon, uh, quad tear, but all, all ah. these tears, it, it's a serious tear. So uh, you right. know, we knew that given the rehab and, and the amount of time that he was on the shelf. Uh, I, I think what really is kind of interesting for the Pacers and what puts them in an advantageous spot is – Oladipo, according to the article, and his camp say, look, we don't want to resign until the contract is expired because we want to get the max. We want to get the, the, the years. We want to get the money that we can get, and we can't do that signing an extension. <laughs> so let's go ahead and wait until the completion of next season. And I think that's actually an advantage for the Pacers because you can take a full year to look and see what you have before you decide, hey, do we want to do a four-year deal with this guy? 
Yeah, you know, there, there's so many. It's not black and white. Uh, you know, you, you might think it ought to be, and and maybe Kevin Pritchard and whoever you know, whoever else the Pacers making this decision, think it is black and white. But there's so much here because of who Old Depot is, where he went to school, how popular he is, what impact he has, just walking through the locker room. You know, he's not he's not normal, and I mean that in the best possible way. He's, uh, I mean, special in a lot of ways. So. I think you, you sign that what you, what you don't let happen is you drag this thing out to the point that old Depot starts to feel like, wait a minute, why, what more do you want to see out of me? I busted my butt to get back. I'm pretty damn good. I mean, they, the sooner they can get this done, the better. Um, so, and I, 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 to be honest with you, I haven't read the entire story, so I really don't know if I'm treading on ground that's already been refuted, but, uh, I, I read the first couple of graphs and tweeted it out cause I loved it so much. Like, Oh good. Old Depot's coming back. Let me tweet this out. And then because I've got ADD, I forgot to get back to it. Um, but I am holding. You see, Theodore can. And I really I do, hope. Yeah. I really hope my boss has put this on online because he he deserves. I mean, he deserves a reality. Look at him. L- look at that cat. I mean, <laughs> is he not the dumbest animal you've ever seen? Oh, he's a good boy. Uh, he's the best, but he's an idiot. He. I mean, I'm not sure he even knows he's breathing. I mean, I don't know, like a single cell amoeba. I mean, he's he's like a paramecium, but but anyway, he's the best. And, and you can, my you can do whatever you want with them. You can like, I mean, he's almost like a well, those rubber rubber band toys. Like what is the um, Stretch Armstrong? Yeah, you know, you, you just grab him and and play him with them and and walk him and pretend he's walking. And I mean, he's just he's just the best. He's just not very smart. I had a cat as a kid who uh, was my age. He was born the year that me, me and my sisters were born, and. Um, she lived until she was 20. So I came back from college and she was still with us then. And she did not, she loved me, but she did not like to be picked up or anything like that. She would just snap or, or scratch at you. So that's actually cool that your cat allows you to do that. Well, and they're all, can be moody. Oh, they're all different. They're all yeah. different. He's, <laughs> he's the closest thing to a dog I've ever seen for a cat. Cause all he cares about is making me happy, which is what dogs. I've got another cat here. My son, Jackson, uh, I've got his cat for a little while. And that cat's about seven pounds of holy terror. And and that cat, <laughs> you can't you can't hold that cat, and it doesn't want to be held. And in fact, yesterday we did a, a Zoom call with um, the Colts coordinators, Matt Eberflus, and then uh, Nick Sirianni on offense. And Sirianni has a ping pong table back behind him. See it. And Mike Wells, being of ESPN, being Mike Wells, says, "Hey Nick, I've got one in my basement. I bet I can beat you." And so they're talking about that just a little bit. And uh, when when the last question of the day was mine, and um, my other cat, Marmalade, my son's cat, was sitting over here in the windowsill next to me. And I spin my computer around, and I, and I said, Nick, you you see that? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I don't – I told him, I don't have a ping pong table, but my cat, if you have a cat, my cat can take your cat. And then he, <laughs> said, he goes, well, I have a dog. And I said, well, my cat could probably take your dog. This cat is five pounds of hell. So – I'm just trying to get the attention and the stardom on, on where it belongs around here. My snake, my, my cats. That's the, right. The Ray-Ban glasses. I mean, people need to know what's going on around here. Doyle's Zoo on the south side over there. Um, May 11th now. Or what is it? May 12th? I get, I, who knows? It's somewhere in mid-May. Uh, I, is it a, Tuesday? Is it, I mean, are, is it fun? <laughs> are we going to see a completion of the NBA season with where we sit today? No, 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 no. Listen, and, and they're trying – they're, they're flailing about. They're trying. Um, you say completion. I can see a startup again. Maybe I wouldn't bet on it. If I had to bet yes or no, I'd bet no. But um, I can see it starting up. 
but there'll be another wave. I mean, a player will get sick. There's just no way. I mean, I, I get that you've got to try. What you don't do is is we're ready to go, but there's going to be a second wave, so let's not even bother. No, you got to try. But there'll be a second wave, even if it's just – I mean, what I'm saying is let's just say they start the NBA season up in some shape or form on, on July 20th, whatever. I put it the over-under on how long does it last? Three days. Because that's how many days it'll wow. take people. Oh, people will get sick. People yeah. will test positive. It's just going to happen. And again, I've said this to you a million times. I'll say it every time. But I, I, what I can't stand is when people say, give us something to hope for. Why? I mean, it's got to be realistic, right? I mean, yeah, let's let's hope for. You want me to talk about the supermodel you're going to date or the, the lottery you're going <laughs> to win? I mean, no, we're not going to talk about stuff that's just not going to happen. And this season going on its own merry way, it's just not going to happen. It's just not. And I, there's no even reason to, I mean, emotionally prepare yourself because it's not going to happen. I just don't think that they would even start it unless they had somewhat of an idea that they had a chance to finish it. So what you say, you know, starting it up and then closing it out in, in three days or something because somebody tests positive, I, I think they would just cancel the season before they'd go ahead and try that. You know, Silver seems to be a pretty smart guy. Which is why I would say if I had to bet money on yes or no, yeah, I'd bet, I'd bet, I'd bet no. Um, but if they do roll the dice on it, they're not going to finish it. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, the thing is, the NBA season, this is not Major League Baseball. Like, I can see baseball, well, the same thing. I can see them starting up and a couple players get sick and, and that's it. Um, so it, cause it's not the same as the UFC, um, you know, the UFC over the weekend, they had a fight, got canceled. One fight got canceled, but they had, I, I think they had originally 13 fights. Let's say, let's say tw- 12 fights. That's 24 fighters. They had 24 guys in 24 hotel rooms, separate, you know, all that stuff separate. One of them got tested positive. So they canceled his fight. You can continue the, the fight card cause you got 22 guys in 22 hotel rooms. If you have a baseball team and a guy tests positive, that means he's exposed himself to everybody on the team and perhaps whoever he played against yesterday or tomorrow. I mean, it just, it just can't happen. It's not, I mean, these are not apples and oranges. I'm sorry. These yeah, are. And there are, there are, and we've talked about this. There are sports like UFC and racing where I golf, where I think they're going to be more able to put something on and keep everybody safe. These team sports with these huge clubhouses and locker rooms and all of that and all this personnel it's just going to be really, really difficult. Um, did but you see what doctor? Go ahead. Before we segue to that, did you see what Dr. Fauci said about football yesterday? Uh, no, I missed it. Terrifying. Terrifying. Um, and, and, and I think we can all agree that Dr. Fauci has been, he's been, you know, the leading voice on this thing. He's, you know, he just has been. And, and he's a sports nut. He played basketball. He played against, um, I forget who did he played against, Donnie Walsh. Donnie he, Walsh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so the guy likes sports, and he's a great personality, but he's just a realist. He's a scientist, and he says that football, sad to say, is the perfect incubator for the virus. And he and he and I was hoping, well, yeah, because there'll be eighty thousand. No, he wasn't talking about the fans in the crowd. He was talking about the players on the field, just the way they, you know, they will bump into each other. Obviously, that's all they do is make contact, and there's a bunch of them. He was saying that'll just spread like wildfire if one guy's sick, and you know, one guy's going to get sick. I mean, even without symptoms. One guy, so what he said just was terrifying to me. I, I heard that and thought, oh no, I, I kind of was getting my brain wrapped around the idea of we're going to have football and I'll be covering it off the TV screen and everybody will be watching off TV, but we'll take it. I'll take it. But what Fauci said makes me think, I don't know. But I don't blame the NFL for treating it like it's business as usual because they have the luxury of doing that because the season is still four months away. You know what you I have, mean? 
So, so I think you just have to approach it like this and hope for the best, knowing that it's going to be a very much an uphill climb to get anything happening. I, I think college football is really where I'm worried because, you know, if you've got these states like Georgia and Alabama opening up and then California decides not to, then what are we going to do? UGA and Bama and Auburn can play, but USC, Stanford, UCLA can't. You know what I mean? It's it's just a it's going to be a really kind of messy situation. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the whole UFC thing because that's something that has exploded in popularity. And here's an analogy I'm going to make, and stick with me here, Greg. UFC to me is like country music. I get why it's popular. It's just not my thing. So I'm not going to knock it. It's just not my personal taste. Like um, deviled eggs. I get that people really like deviled eggs. I don't like deviled eggs. They're not, they'll never be my thing. I've tried to give USC a chance and it's just a little too, um, maybe I'm soft here. It's just too brutal for me. I can't do the ground stuff and the submissions. Like it, it, it physically pains me to watch that. And you love it. You live for it. I can tell just by the look on your face. You love that stuff. Yeah, I um, I DVR all the fights, and and I watch one fight at a time. And it takes me – if it's a – like yesterday, I watched one three-round fight. It's three rounds, 15 minutes. You can fast-forward commercials. I, it takes me about 30 minutes to watch a fight because I watch – I'm rewinding. Like I'll, I'll miss, I'll miss something. I'll, the, the announcer will say, "Hey, good left hand there," but there's so much going on. I'll rewind it and see it. Um, I just, I love the sport. Like I've never loved the sport, and I mean, I, and I grew up playing everything, and at least, I mean, I, I've never loved a sport like this one. Um, but 2007, I hated the sport. Hated it. John McCain had recently called it human cockfighting, and it was, it was like. <laughs> At that point, it was UFC 68 or so. That's where they were. Now they're at UFC 250 almost. That's how, how early it was in the process. I hated it. The UFC came to Columbus, Ohio in March of, I think it was 07. And I think it was UFC 70. It might have been 68, but I think it was 70. Came to Columbus, Ohio. And I drove up there with the sole intention of ripping it. I, I was the CBS sports guy, that, and I, I ripped everything. I was Mr. Hot Take guy. I was going to go up and write a hot take about how much I hate the UFC and how stupid it is. For the same reasons you did. I don't like the violence. It scared me. I went there and within three fights, loved it. And mm. and that night wrote a love story, a love poem almost to the UFC. And the reason I loved it was not so much like, oh, wow, to be here and to see how violent it is is even better. What I saw was was the camaraderie. Like, you know, in boxing, these guys, they, they seem to hate each other. They don't touch gloves before rounds. They... There's no camaraderie in boxing, which is fine. I love boxing too. But in UFC, maybe because they know they're in a small little circle, they know how hard they work at this. Uh, it's just they the camaraderie. Uh, even after a fight, after you watch these guys try to almost literally kill each other, like if you don't get pulled off a guy by the referee, you'll. I mean, you could kill him. Watching them hug it out, and I don't mean just hug and move on, but I mean sit there like they're almost at a bar stool, just now compare notes on what just happened. Yeah, you got mm -hmm. me good with that punch. It's, I fell in love with it, the, and I can. It, it's a whole different thing for me now to, to know that these guys, no matter how much crap they talk, afterwards they're going to hug, and it's it's a sport. It's not a fight. It's a sport, and I just love it. I just the uh, what I what I do find really appealing in it is unlike. I think you could do this in heavyweight boxing. I mean, I guess all rounds of boxing can end at any moment by TKO, but usually you only see that or you, the prevalence of that is in the, the higher divisions in heavyweight. UFC, you make one mistake. You could be winning 
the entire night. You make one mistake, you get uh, submitted or, you know, roundhouse kicked in the face. You're donezo. And I kind of like that fact that you never feel like it's over until it's really over. And, you know, so, so much of sports is, you know, an NBA game where you've got a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter and the game's over. Or an NFL game where you're up three touchdowns in the third quarter and it's over. Uh, UFC, it feels like it's never truly over until it's waved off or, you know, whatever. The, the fight ends on decision. You know, there's that great commercial that Mick, I think it's Mick Loeb. Uh, I think it is. I, I forget now. It's a beer commercial about soccer. And they show... Like it's when you look away is like when the guy delivers your pizza and you walk to the pizza door and that's when you hear the everybody going nuts. There's a, there's a goal behind you and you miss it. That that's the commercial. A bunch of these things. UFC's like that. Only it's every second. You 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 literally can't you can't look away. You, you can't. Like in soccer, unless the ball's right in front of the the goal mouth, you can probably go look away. And and even if I mean you could literally spend ninety minutes looking away and you might not miss a goal. In the UFC, you you can't look away. At any mm-hmm. second, the fight's over. Um, and one of the one of the the biggest fights that, because it turned out this way, was uh, the first time Anderson Silva fought Chael Sonnen. Anderson Silva is one of the greatest of all time, and and was in the middle of this long winning streak and was unbeatable. And Chael Sonnen was just a guy that talked his way into the fight. He's on ESPN now because he's a great talker, but he talked his way into the fight. I mean, he wasn't he didn't deserve it, but he talked his way into it, and it was great. And I watched it, and he was kicking Anderson Silva's butt for twenty three minutes like getting them on the ground and ground and pounding them and just beating them up. I mean, it, it was two minutes away from going to a decision. It was going to be Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. I mean, it was that big of an upset. But Chael made one mistake. Silva caught him in a triangle and choked him, made him submit, tap out with like a minute to go. And if that fight goes the other way, I mean, it just changes the whole sport. I don't know how it changes it, but for Anderson Silva to lose that fight to that guy, and that guy's now the champion, it just changes well, and we'll never know what, what that means. I don't mean it kills the sport. I don't mean it makes the sport even better. I just mean the whole narrative of the UFC changes. If, if that, what you just said, that last second comeback doesn't happen. It's great. Have you ever done that for fun? Step into an octagon. You've sparred in a boxing ring, but have you ever, do you do anything else besides boxing? Like, have you ever done jujitsu or any of those other disciplines that all these guys have to know? I mean, I've, I've they call it rolling. I've rolled with, with a guy, a few guys here and there. I've rolled with you know Chris Lytle, the former UFC fighter. He and I've we've sparred we've sparred several times. Sometimes people watching, sometimes nobody watching. Uh, but we had we actually fought you know three or four years ago a fundraiser for <clears throat> Rocksteady Boxing. But he and I've he, I've rolled with him, and I mean it's ridiculous. I you know it's 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 a it's a candy from a baby thing. I mean I'm helpless against. So I've done that, <laughs> but but the thing, but I've never really done any of the other stuff. But um, but when I fell in love with the UFC, um. I'd already started boxing, actually. So I was a boxer. I mean, you know, my spare time. But I was a I was a hobbyist boxer when I fell in love with the UFC. I'm sorry. When I, and I still hated it. Being a boxer, I hated it. And then I went to this fight card in Columbus and fell in love with it. I fell in love with it so much, I wanted to know, because I saw a couple guys tap out. And I grew up watching professional wrestling like everybody else did. And you see the sleeper hold and sure, someone's falling yeah. asleep. And I'm watching these, these trained fighters that spend all this time for this one fight. Why would you tap out? I mean, if your arm's about to get broken, okay, but they're choking you from behind. Why would you tap out? Just suck it up or fall asleep. But why would you tap out? So I went to this UFC gym we had in, in Ohio, and it's where Rich Franklin, who at the time was the, he wasn't the middleweight champion. He just lost to Anderson Silva. So he was the former middleweight champion. Rich Franklin was there. Dustin Hazlett, the UFC guy, was there for, for a while. George Gurgel, a UFC guy and the original Ultimate Fighter, was there. It was his gym. I walked in the gym, introduced myself to Gurgel, told him what I wanted to do. <clears throat> And I, what I wanted to do is this. 
I told him, I, I want to know why people tap out. I want you to choke me out. And he made me sign a waiver and, and Rich Franklin happened to be there that day. And, uh, I'm about to say a curse word. So indie star bosses, if you got to bleep it, you got to bleep it. And the thing is they're putting this thing up and they're not even going to listen to it. I'm about to curse, but I'm, 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 I'm going to quote Rich Franklin. <laughs> but so Gerzel gets behind me and starts putting this, this rear naked choke on me. And in about five seconds, I, I can feel myself falling asleep. I can feel it happening. And, and, uh, and right as I'm falling asleep, Rich Franklin's standing right there, you know, muscular, huge. Anyway, of as, course. As I'm, uh, right. And as I'm doing this, as I'm doing that, I hear Rich Franklin say, who's got the camera in case this guy shits himself? And I, I'm like, <laughs> uh, what? Uh, and uh, I mean, he was teasing. He knew I, I wasn't going to happen. But, but I, I then, Gurgel then woke me up. You know, he's like tapped me on the face. And, and I remember I was dreaming. I was on like this Caribbean island. I was in the, in the, <laughs> on the beach. The water's like going over me. And like, I, it's a beautiful, relaxing dream. And I got this little Brazilian dude going, hello, wake up, wake up, wake up, hello. Like, Gurgel, leave me the hell alone. There's about to be a good looking woman on this beach. I'm sure of it. Get the hell out of here. So, yeah. That's great. We should just do this for the podcast. Let's just tell stories of you being you know, forced into submission or boxing or whatever else. I think people were fascinated by that stuff, it's man. George Plimpton, who was very, the first, as far as I know, the first really interactive sports journalist. He, uh, George Plimpton tried out for the Detroit Lions completely for the story. Well, he wasn't thinking he was going to make the team. And he called this, the book is called Paper Lion. And Theodore, knucklehead. <laughs> knucklehead. Um, so Plimpton did things like that, but... Um, yeah, I'm a little bit too old to do too much more of that stuff, but but I yeah, I like it a lot. You've been fighting through. Here's a good transition. You've been fighting through some furloughs, as most of your colleagues have over there at the Indy Star, uh, including last week, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think we talked about the Colts schedule, right? No, uh-uh, we have not. The primetime thing, some fans were upset about. There's Theodore again. What was your reaction to the Colts only getting one primetime game? And it being on the road, um, you know, they haven't had a lot of home primetime games here recently. Um, to me, who cares? I, I don't care. I don't – I mean, I, I get it if you're – I mean, if you look – I mean, Jim Irsay clearly cares. So I, I get there's – kind of like you don't like deviled eggs, but you understand why people eat them, I guess. Um, I, don't, I don't care, uh, but I get why, I guess, if you're the owner. Because it's, it's like a status symbol. We didn't get one a primetime game at home. We're only on primetime once. It's a status symbol. So I understand where they're coming from, but I think it's I think you're almost too close to it to to care. I, I, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You're still gonna you're still gonna play sixteen games on national television, every last one of them. Do you have the thing to yourself on Thursday night or Sunday Monday night? No. But how many games are there? I guess red zone you can watch a lot, but I to me it's 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 not a big deal. I, I, I don't I don't know why anybody really, really would care. I don't care in the sense that, like, I'm butthurt over the fact, well, the Colts aren't on primetime and Buffalo gets to be on primetime and burr, 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 burr. I don't care in that sense, Greg. But I went back and looked, and the Colts have played, uh, counting this year when they go at Nashville to, to face Tennessee, they'll have played 10, di 10 division games on Thursday Night Football since the inception of Thursday Night Football in 2007. Do you know how many of those games they've played at home? Ten division Thursday night games since 07. Okay. They've played one at home. That's weird. And that's real weird. 21 of the last 26 
Thursday night or Monday night games that the Colts have played have been on the road. So that's 80-something percent. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're kind of treading into competitive disadvantage waters there where you continually on short weeks have to play on the road. It's a disadvantage. You continually have to play short weeks in the division on the road. It's a disadvantage. And I think that's where Jim Irsay gets upset. The Colts having three primetime games last year, nothing at home, and yet another Thursday night game, which seems like an annual occurrence in Nashville or in Houston or in uh, Jacksonville. Um so that's where I was upset with the schedule. The rest of the schedule is great because the schedule looks like a cakewalk. Um, look, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to sit here and say that the Colts are going to be great next year because I don't think they're going to be great. I think there's a lot of unknowns, but this schedule stinks on paper with what we know right now. Stinks as in the teams they play are going to stink? I Well, not all of them. I mean, you know, you've got Baltimore. You, you know, I, I don't think the division is bad. I think Jacksonville's bad. But I, I think Tennessee is fine. Um, I think Houston is fine. I think they're around the same level of the Colts. I think it's a competitive division. But I think overall, it's not necessarily um, that great of a schedule. Uh, and if you look, I think at, is it winning percentage or something like that? It's one of the worst in the league. Uh, again, we're taking last year's winning percentage. So how seriously do you take that? Because, you know, last year you would have looked at Buffalo and been like, oh, that's a win. And then you realize, wait a minute, Buffalo ended up being a pretty good team, right? Teams go up and down all the time. Right. The Rams have gone down a little bit. Um, all I know about the schedule uh, and all that matters to me, really, is that I'm going to Vegas if if the season happens, which I don't think it will. But if the season happens, I'm going to Vegas, and I've never been to Vegas. That is uh, far and away the biggest sports town in America that I've never been to. Really? You know? Yeah, wow. sports has never taken. Yeah, because I, I mean, until now, I mean, I don't cover hockey. I don't care. So they, they've had a hockey team for a couple of years, I guess. Um, don't do that. Uh, they've never had anything else. They've got fights, but no one's ever sent me to a fight. CBS sent me to a, 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 I've been to a couple of UFC things, but never to Vegas. So I've never been to Vegas. And uh, I, I'm sure Vegas to me is going to be like New York City is to me, which is I'll be very happy to be there for two days on someone else's dime. And I'll be very happy to be in that plane flying, flying out of there. Uh, but I, I do want to see it. I want to see it and then maybe never go back again. But I do want to see it. New Orleans is like that for me. Oh. New Orleans, I, I can do two or three days in New Orleans and have a great time, and then I'm I'm gone. Uh, but you know what? I, and this may be the only you know two male middle aged. Well, I guess you're a middle aged podcasts that around where the two hosts hey. have never been to Vegas because I've never been either. Hey, uh, bleep you! <laughs> I mean, what is that crap? You are you already cursed on this episode, so we might as well just. You know, I was I was quoting anything anymore, right? I was quoting Rich Franklin, but believe you, what are you talking about? Well, one of us middle aged. You're almost you're four. I mean, first of all, I'm capable of breaking you in half, and you're talking to me like like some tough guy. <laughs> I do you see that blood there? Yes, from from I, your resistance band. Yes. Yeah, good, good, point. good point. I actually, you when you paused, I was afraid you were going to say, "Well, one of us is middle aged." meaning you, and one of us is a senior citizen, meaning me. So oh, I'm God. grateful you it didn't go worse. there. Yeah. So you've it never been to Vegas either? No, do you, no. Would you like to go? Like, I really want to go. I bet as soon as the, the, the Raiders were on the schedule, I'm sorry, the Raiders moved to Vegas, my only thought was, oh, good, someday I'll get to go there, not knowing it'll be this soon. Yeah, I had two uh, really close friends who both had their bachelor parties in Vegas, and I had conflicts that I couldn't get out of both times. Uh, but my parents go every year and they love it. I've been to Atlantic City a bunch of times, which is like a trashier version. But I'd love to go back. This is going to sound so lame because I'm not really a big drinker. 
Um, and I like gambling, but um, I'm not like super into it. I'd love to go and just eat because of all the great restaurants and everything that they've got there and, and see some of the shows and, and all that stuff. Like that's what appeals to me about Vegas. I'd love to go to a fight. I loved boxing growing up. We used to get all the fights. Um, and I would love to go. I've, I've never been to a live boxing match. You know, I think I might be going to the Vegas at some point for a, if there's a UFC fight that, that I, I like enough. Um, the USA Today um, asked me to go to Seoul, South Korea. No, 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 no. Where, where's the Olympics? The Olympics this year were going to be. Oh, uh, Tokyo, Tokyo. Yeah, why can't Why can't I think of it? Yeah, Tokyo. They, I guess, they'd be going on soon. Um, anyway, USA Today asked me to go to Tokyo, and um, and I, I responded the only way a human being would respond, and I said, "Do I have to?" <laughs> and they said, "No, you don't have to." Uh, I said, "Good, thank you. I, I don't want to go. I'd rather, I'd, I'd literally rather write about." You know, the high school students around here and whatever stories I scrounge up in the summer around here, usually about nobody famous. Uh, that means more to me than going to Tokyo and rubbing shoulders with, hey, look at, look at all of us. We're cool media yeah. guys. We got sent to Tokyo. Yeah. Screw Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> I, I like bleep Tokyo. I, no offense, Tokyo, but um, bleep road trips. I'd rather wake up at my home with my cat and, and my oatmeal and, and watch my TV. And anyway, so but my bosses did the USA Today bosses said, okay, you don't you don't have to go to Tokyo, but we want you to do something more every now and then, something you know, na- I don't know, national, whatever, just something we'd like you to write for our entire audience every now and then, more than just when you do it for the star. Where what what would you do for us? And I said, well, you, I go to UFC fight every week if you'd let me. Because <laughs> like, I love that sport nice. so much. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully, like uh, now that I know that, ha- had the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight happened after this edict I got, which is get your ass on the road and go do something else, uh, I'd have been at that thing. I'm not sure why I brought this whole thing up. Uh, because uh, why did I bring this up? Cause I, oh, because I, I don't like to travel? Why did I bring this up? No, we talked about Vegas. Oh, and then okay. We were talking about seeing fights and then all of that, and then we, ah. we got into the, the trip to Tokyo and New Orleans and, and all that other stuff. Yeah, if, and if you thought that was a, a bad turn on this podcast, wait until I start sneezing. I'm allergic to Theodore. See, I'm allergic to him. Oh, to really? cats. I'm allergic to animals. I love animals. It's uh, it's cruel. It's really cruel. <laughs> I'm allergic to him. Uh, and Theodore, Theodore sheds like no one's ever shed in their life. I mean, he sheds. It's bad. <laughs> And he sheds, you know, it's not just the hair. I've learned this. It's not just the hair that you're allergic to. It's the, it's called the dander. It's yeah. the piece, the piece of skin that connects the hair to the body. And in Theodore's case, the piece of skin is white, like, you know, dandruff, I guess it's, it's white. That cat is black. But if you look at him closely, he's all white. Cause he's got little white specks all cause he's, he's just, it's like little dive bombing. He's about to dive bomb over here and here and here. My computer right now is covered with his damn hair. And it's amazing. I'm not sneezing yet. So, uh, Hey, uh, when are we going to talk about, because we're running out of time. Damn. When are we going to talk about, <laughs> man. My All US... the NCAA stuff you've been writing? Yeah, the Louisville thing. and, and yeah. I can hear you. Keep talking for a second, and yeah. I'm going to go my face. Okay. <laughs> well, Greg, if you guys don't know, you should check it out, IndyStar.com or via the IndyStar app. Greg. His last, I think, three columns have been about NCAA issues, um, and the most recent one, the issue with Louisville popping up again, involving Rick Pitino, who is now, of course, at Iona, and, you know, the investigation involving 
that and, and really more so how the organization chooses to punish coaches and, and programs who have now left. So you hammer Louisville for something that a previous coach did, kind of like what happened with Indiana 10 whatever years ago with Kelvin Sampson. You hammer Indiana for something Kelvin Sampson did, and the players that are there outside of, I guess, Kyle Tabor weren't around for Sampson. The coaches that were there weren't there during while that cheating was going on. You know, how do you give out these penalties when everybody that was at fault for these these penalties are gone? And I thought it was interesting, you know, the show cause thing that you brought up where Bruce Pearl had three, I think Sampson had ten. Five. Um, or, or, yeah, sorry, five. And and what the minimum now is ten, correct? No, no. The maximum the maximum was ten, but as of as of last year, the maximum is now lifetime. Gotcha. And talking about what should happen to Patino, who now, you know, here's the thing. Iona knows exactly what they're doing. You weigh the good press against the bad press, and it's much better to have the name Rick Patino that you can sell. Hey, look who agreed to coach us. And you don't worry about what happened in previous stops. So I totally understand why Iona did what they did. And that's the problem with this whole thing, Greg, is that you don't really punish these guys. You know, what really is Patino punished by? Sure, he's with a lesser program. I guess he's probably never going to get a, another big-time job again, given his age. But still, he's getting paid to be a college basketball coach. Yeah, and he gets a chance to rehabilitate his image, I guess, a little bit. And in, in my story, and people, you got to read this thing, and it's 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 a it's what we call metered. It's not behind our paywall entirely. It's not entirely free. It's metered. If you don't click on the star very much, you can read it. If you click on the star all the time, you pr- but don't subscribe, you probably get five or six clicks a month, and and you might not. But anyway, read this thing uh, because the kicker. Uh, and, and, and in print, they they cut the story from the bottom somewhere else. One of my bosses was somewhere else, so the kicker got cut in print. But um, the kicker's devastating. It's devastating. It's uh, Rick Pitino's been cheating his whole life. It's devastating, and uh, and and it's public knowledge, rec- but public record. But a lot of people don't know this. I guarantee you, whoever read that story, including Louisville fans, ninety percent of them didn't know. What I'm telling can him I, that kicker. Can I mention just real quick? I won't get into specifics if you don't want to ruin the surprise. But I had no idea about the 1970s. Devastating state. Yeah, uh, devastating know, involving that. I had no idea that Patino was part of that. So. The guy's a scumbag. I mean, I you know, pr- tr- I'm not worried about libel or slander. Truth is a defense. The guy's a scumbag. And in fact, I've got a Rick Patino story. We're getting a little bit long here, but. I mean, he, he is what he is, right? And I, it's not personal for me. Um, I mean, the way he's come back, but it just is what he is. And he always has been what he's always been. So when he was at Louisville and he had a bunch of creepy guys on his team and creepy guys hanging around the team, and I wrote about all this stuff uh, for CBS, and, and I, you know, uh, I can really, like, like if I really like somebody, like a high school athlete or whatever, I can really hug you up in a story good. I can be schmaltzy and because I, I, I'm very emotional. But, man, if I'm down on you, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good at making that clear. So my phone rings in Cincinnati one day in, like, 2000, I don't know, 10 or 11, 12, I don't know what it was. Phone rings. Hello? He goes, Greg, yeah, this is Rick Patino, and I just want to know, uh, why don't you like me? That happened. Rick Patino called me, Greg, called called me. Why don't you like me? And I proceeded to tell him. 
why I've read what I, I, I said, well, there's this, there's this, there's this. Sure. And while no one knows about it, I've heard about this and 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 this. And at the end of the phone call, he's like, just wondering. And we hung up. Oh, yeah. That was it. Right. So I didn't go looking for that phone call. But anyway, it happened. So I can't take on a rubber band with a stick at the end of it. I can't do that. But if you're a scumbag... And you call me and ask me why don't I like you? I can take that. I can do that. How many people? Speaking of people you talk to, because you've insinuated this, um, how many people do you talk to would just love to see Kansas go down? Because oh, we, oh. we all know what's going on there at Kansas and has been going on for a long time now. Man, I there was I was at St. Elmo's about. I was at St. Elmo's uh, years ago. I wasn't living here. I was here. We were in town for something, some basketball event. There's some coaches sitting around the table. Might have been. I'm not sure. There's some coaches sitting around a table, and uh, they were telling war stories on the recruiting trail. And it was all off the record, and I was there, but it was off the record. And They don't like Bill Self. They do not like Bill Self. They, they, uh, I'll say this again. They, they do not like Bill Self. And uh, Bill, if you're listening, they don't like you. And, uh, and there's a reason they don't like you. There's a lot of reasons they don't like you. And they know a lot of stuff they don't like about you. So, yes, coaches are very happy that Kansas is in the crosshairs and really are shocked. Not shocked. Shocked's the wrong word. Um, mortified that Kansas is doubling down on whatever happened in this program, Bill didn't know. Oh, okay. 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 You coaches are these guys. I've been around these guys. In order to get to that level, you have to be so obsessed with the everyday 24-7, 365 aspects of your basketball program. It's it's incredible the detail that these guys have to, to get where they are. So this oh, yeah. whole pleading ignorance thing, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. All well, these guys and, know exactly what's going on. And listen, Mike Shevsky is so charming when he talks. I mean, he is. He's so likable. And, I, and I, I'm a big fan of what he did for USA Basketball and made us great again. You know, he took us where we ought to be. And I'll, I'll always appreciate that. Um, but when I was in the Charlotte Observer covering Duke, almost annually, they'd, you know, cause they, they recruit nationally and they get the best players everywhere and they'd bring in, and this is back before the one and done was real prevalent. So they'd get these guys in that might come in for years. Chris Duhon was one, Carlos Boozer was one, and there's more. They get guys from other parts of the country and their families would follow them to Durham, North Carolina. And get nice jobs, right? And get nice jobs with Duke yeah. Boosters. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like uh, when, when you hire a high school coach just so you can get his, his best player. Or you hire someone's dad just to get his son on your staff, which Bill Self has done with Mario Chalmers. That is so blatantly cheating. You're putting, and they, you can't do it anymore, but for years you could, you're putting half a million dollars in a contract, legal contract in a coach's name. Yep. Hey, here's half a million dollars. Come come to, can't, to Lawrence. And, oh, by the way, bring Mario Chalmers with you, dad. I mean, it's, um, anyway, so yeah, Duke got, the, these guys got jobs, and it's possible Shevsky had nothing to do with it. And But it's still, it's it's an it's a advantage. And anyway, it's just, you, you know everything. I mean, even if Shevsky had nothing to do with, Chris Duhon's mom getting a great job at the post office in Durham. He knew about it. Don't tell me you don't know. You know. 
Yeah, and am I supposed to believe that Zion Williamson's camp shopped him around everywhere else, but he decided to go play to, at Duke for free? Come on. You know, that's, you know, Cam Newton at Auburn, the same thing. Yeah, he, he was asking Mississippi State for pay for play, but he went to Auburn for free. Sure. The one you the know? one thing that I will say about all these guys, Romeo Langford's dad, too, you know, he started, Romeo Langford's dad started a, pro, a, a an AAU yeah. program down there. And what, why would you do that? Because you can get legally paid by a shoe company. I mean, it's legal, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a loophole, but it's legal. I've got so much empathy, sympathy, something for guys like Romeo, uh, Zion, um, Cam Newton. I suspect that when their parents are doing whatever it is they're doing, allegedly, uh, the kids don't know. The kids have no idea. I suspect they just don't know. And uh, I'll go to my grave believing they don't know. And uh, unless, until, I mean, innocent until proven guilty. Your parents are doing whatever they're doing. I'll go to my grave believing every last one of you kids didn't know. Until unless this news comes out that you did know, okay, that one knew, the rest of them didn't know. I just don't think they know. I don't think because it's not the kind of thing parents want to say to their kids. Yeah. Hey, son, I'm using you to get. No, they're not telling them that. They're just pocketing this money themselves. Of course. Check out Greg's columns online, the Patino, all the NCAA stuff. IndyStar.com, IndyStar mobile app, subscribe as well. They've got the free coronavirus coverage on there. But, you know, all this stuff that's been happening in our city with IMPD and and everything else, uh, now is the time to subscribe if you aren't already. There's a lot of important news happening right now in our town. Uh, Hopefully by next week, Greg, that um, scuff will heal up a little bit. And um, hopefully we'll be back to do another podcast. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.